Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you're here this morning. Welcome to Ray of Hope. Before we get up and continue, we do want to let you guys know that we realize that today is September 11th. That years ago, there was a terrorist attack on American soil by cowards that used, hid behind video cameras and sent people. And we saw an evil spirit that was at work. But at the same time, we saw a great spirit of a great nation that was also at work. Men and women running into the buildings to save all that they could. People lost their lives, were declared heroes. People even within the buildings trying to help each other. And then, of course, all of our first responders. And we want to make sure you guys know here at Ray of Hope, we appreciate all of our first responders. All of the firefighters, the police officer, the ambulance, every way that you guys respond, thank you. Can we give them a big hand? Yes. And as we know, we'll never forget, will we? We'll never forget. Would you guys please stand with me? If you would open up your Bibles and turn to chapter, or excuse me, turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 58. You know, Pastor is really good at titles. He's really good at hiding stuff. Like a whole lot of shaking going on. You're like, huh, I wonder what that's about. Me, I'm not that creative. We're gonna talk about godly households today, all right? So in life hacks, we're gonna talk about godly households. Now, this is what we need to understand about a life hack. Pastor Mike and I, as we prepare our, our things, we don't intend to give you just shortcuts. If shortcuts work, that's wonderful, right? But shortcuts are not always the way to go. Right now, we're in the midst of football season, and Bobby Bowden, one of the greatest coaches to ever coach. A Florida State national champion, has great influence throughout the, the college football realm, and he's passed away. And it was either his, one of his last, it was, it was one of his last interviews, he was asked this question. He said, Coach Bowden, if you could tell the young men of this generation one thing, what would you say? And this is what he said. He said, I'd tell them not to take shortcuts. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful word. A man that understands that shortcuts don't always work. So here in Life Hacks, what we're trying to help us all understand, and he and I included, is that there's things that we can implement in our lives that will get us quicker to where we need to go. And sometimes we just need a word, don't we? So as we talk about godly homes today, we're going to share some life hacks with you. And we're going to look into what Christ said because Jesus dealt with it too. Luke chapter 9, verse 58, And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's interesting to me. A disciple was talking to him, and he said, I'll go anywhere you go. Well, and then he answered. He said, are you sure? Because there's not comfy beds where I go. There's not fireplaces and uh, ovens and things of that nature that you're used to. Even birds have places to go, but yet he knew that he was called for Father God. Amen? And he said, he said, foxes have homes, but I don't. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And I look into that and think about this for a second before we pray. Christ was so amazing at what he did. He was so wonderful that he created that home atmosphere that everybody wanted to be a part of and never had an address. You know, the scripture says this, Christ says this about the scriptures, that if we look into it and search him, we'll find him. The other day I was in my office and Pastor Mike was in there with me and I said, I was looking at an Old Testament passage and said, Pastor, I'm trying to find Christ in this scripture. You know what he told me? He looked at me and said, you'll find it, and just walked out of the room. <laughs> Can you believe he'd do that? Yeah. yeah, and you know what? I found it, though. I found it because it's there if we'll look. 
Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. God, what an opportunity to make sure that our home is in a godly manner, and it's only through you, Christ Jesus. This morning, we pray that the Holy Spirit illuminates our hearts, speak to us, let us implement in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says... Amen, amen. You may be seated. Welcome guests to the house of the Lord. We are glad that you're here. However you're streaming, thank you for being a part of this. But it's interesting. It's interesting to me that as I read this, Christ doesn't, it's not like 3434 Christian Avenue or something like that, right? He would sleep up underneath rocks, no doubt, in people's houses. He would even send people ahead to prepare the way for him. But he never really had that address. Yet, if you look at his life, he had 12 young men. I say young men, 12 men that he loved and he poured into. He provided for them. He cared for them. He loved them. He fed them. He even, in a lot of ways, made them grow, right? Yeah, we should do that to our kids as well. And, 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 and I was looking into that, and I was thinking, well, we can learn something. So just right before this, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and 56 is where we're going to park at for a bit. Now, if you're like Mary and myself, Mary's my wife, we have an 11-year-old, school has started for us, and our life right now is super crazy busy. Anybody else is out there? Oh, yeah, man, you wake up in the morning and you fly out, and then you get your stuff going, and, and you come home at 4 or 5 o'clock, and then you might have a ball game or a practice or church or something else like that. Especially in our area of the world, we know that a lot of the schedules revolve around that, and you guys understand that. But we're going to talk about how important it is that we conduct that home life in a godly manner and some life hacks that I think that if we'll do, it'll help us construct that. But don't be, don't be scared. We're not going to get into cleanly houses and things like that. You probably have some dishes in the sink. Anybody have some of those? You know, if you're like me, you're, you're going to walk in my house and you'll probably trip over a pair of shoes, man. You know what I mean? You can't have everything picked up all the time, but we do our best. But that is not what we're talking about as much as the spiritual aspect of what God has ordained a godly life to be in a godly home life. So here he is working with James and John. Let's pick him up here. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. And we look in this and we see that there's some things approaching Christ in his life. The very first line says that when, he, when the days were approaching of his ascension, so it clues us in that there was some pressure that was coming his way. He knew with the ascension that means that there was going to become a betrayal. There was going to become prayer in the garden where he prays and, and sweats great drops of blood. There was going to be the trials that he had to go through and the crucifixion. And then the one thing that our faith hinges on is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Amen? That's what separates us. And he knew that was coming. Well, you guys can relate to that. You look at our world and the shape that it is in, how many of us know there's some things that's coming down the pike, and we better be ready for it. We better make sure, now I'm not saying go dig the bunker, start stacking the shelves full of canned goods, okay? Get the gas mask, people. Do the minivan. Nothing like that, okay? But we do know some things are coming. Some things are going to happen, and we have to be ready. So we know, understand, and we feel that pressure. And as we look into what Christ did, I think we can apply that to our family life and know that we can set it up where it honors God. 
because things hit us. Hit us from nowhere. Upcoming events are coming, and that causes pressure. Sometimes we have tragedy hit us and crisis hit us. Sometimes we have financial issues and health issues and even relational issues. Anybody in here had some relational issues? Oh, yeah. And it's even harder when they're in the home, isn't it? Because you've got to see that person every day. You know, if you only see them once a year at a family reunion, you can act like it's not that big a deal. You know, when you got to go home, though, it's a different story. But all these things come, and we have to make sure that our house is in order because God has ordained us to have a godly home and be effective. Raise kids that are effective in the community, that are in love with Him, that change their school, that change their place. Amen? Yeah, that's what He's ordained us to be, and we, we want to be encouraged by that. So as I look into this, the first thing that I see as we set up our house in order is we have to have a structure of authority. We have to have a structure of authority. There's a need to have an established structure in your home. Now, every home looks different, but know that whenever things happen in your life, whenever things change in the world, whenever these circumstances come up against you, one of the first things that always seems to be attacked is who is in authority, the authority structure in your home. Okay, it's always attacked. It's going to happen. And if you don't have a strong authority, you write, yeah, if you don't have strong authority, you write all kinds of checks you can't cash, right? Yeah, you got to pay for later and things of that nature that we're seeing, okay? We're seeing it in our government. You got to have a strong authority and a strong accountability. Now, what's the first thing that we must do? Well, as Christians, we must make sure that our house is established on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. So what do we make sure with it? Jesus is the center focus because every one of us has some things to address in our house, right? Every one of us has some things because God instituted a family. The only problem is we're not perfect. So we're not going to have a perfect family. We're not going to have a perfect household, but we do the very best we can. And if I have to address things in authority, what do I want? I want the one who has all authority and power to be on my side. I want to be submitted under that authority so that I can effectively walk in that authority. So that's the first thing you have to do. And if you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Christ into your, to your um, life, into your heart, I tell you, that's the first thing you've got to get right. You want it the man with all the authority, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Now, as we move on here, we see that that's just part of it. Luke chapter 9. He can, as he's traveling with his disciples, we're going to look into Scripture here and see what other things that we can pull out. Luke chapter 9, verse 53. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven and consume them? And we see two things that happen as you continue to walk in authority. The first thing is we see a rejection of authority. He was going down to Samaria, and they didn't even want him there because he had made his, his desire that he was going to go to Jerusalem. Jews didn't like Samaritans, and Samaritans didn't like Jews, and it was one of those things that we're just going to reject your authority because of who you are and where you're going. Let me tell you something. Because you've decided to set up your authority in your household under Jesus Christ, some people's not going to like it. It doesn't matter. They don't know anything about it. Some of the smartest people that I know about the Bible's never even read it in their life. Right? They have more advice than they can, they can give 10 people. And they've never read it. And they tell me what I need to do and what you need to do. It's the same thing here. You better be ready for that rejection of authority. But it doesn't mean that you don't have authority. You just better be ready for it. Now we see this. As I look out and I see the many blended families, that's the, that's the situation that many live in. 
And you know how that feels like. A child looks at you and says, well, you're not my mom, you're not my dad, and that hurts because you've sacrificed so much and done so much and loved them so much, and that hurts. And you think, man, why did they reject me? Well, listen, anytime authority established, it's going to be rejected, okay? But don't worry, the, 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 the biology of the family, the traditional family, we face the same thing. I don't know how many times a kid will look at you and say, you're not my boss. Did any of your kids ever do that to you? Yeah, and you look at them crossways, you know, because you're about to deliver some people of Satan, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Well, you're not my boss. Well, wait a second. Now, I pay all the bills. Last time I checked, I, I need to be the one in charge here, you know? So it happens to us all. And, and I wonder if a young man, has a young man really ever really lived until he stood toe-to-toe with his father and made the choice of who was going to run the house? You know what I'm talking about, Right? Yeah, I did that, and I'm living proof that uh, I decided my dad was going to run the house and not me because I'm speaking to you, okay? But, but we see that. We see the rejection of authority. Listen, don't let that stop you from having that authority in your life. It happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us. You're going to have it in your home with your kids. You're going to have it in yourself. Christ is going to speak to you, and sometimes you're like, well, I don't feel like doing that. Well, it doesn't matter what we feel like doing. We do it because he is our authority, and we do it with all of our hearts, amen? We have to have authority in our home. Okay, kids do not run the home, parents run the home. That is biblical, okay? Yes, it is absolutely biblical. And I understand the pressure, guys. We look out and we see a world. We see a world that is flipped upside down, which is what the Bible said will happen as this thing ticks down, that right will become wrong and wrong will come become right. And we look out and we see, parents, a whole thing where we say, well, our, parents, our kids have so much pressure because they come back and they see that their kids are that they, their friends are running the home and they're getting to do whatever they want to and yet we have rules and authority in our home. Well, congratulations. You're not like the world, amen? And that's good. But that mean the pressure's not there. Then we also see a power trip. And have you ever known anybody just to go on a power trip just because they have the authority? I'm sure all of us has worked under somebody like that at one point. Well, here's the disciples, James and John. He looks at them and he says, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven? Like, give me some of that authority. Okay, this is every big brother and big sister's dream. You know, whenever you leave the house and you look at your big brother and sister, be like, now you're in charge of them. Yes. You know, they're going to make it rain on you from, <laughs> you know, they're gonna, everything that's instituted on you is going to happen in that moment. And that happens. That's the reason why whenever we're dealing with blended families and things of that nature, grace is so important. It's, ne- it's necessary because kids will challenge that authority every time. They'll challenge it. So I want to say thank you to all the men who are doing your best to run your homes. Thank you. Biblically, you're doing right. You keep doing it. It doesn't matter what the world says. You are doing it right. You are the priest of your household, and thank you. Thank you to all the wives out there who have submitted themselves up underneath that husband that's trying to be godly. Yeah, you don't agree with everything. Yes, there's an internal struggle, but you do it anyways, and we recognize that, and we say thank you. Thank you to all the grandparents and the single parents out there who are pulling double duties and trying to make it hard. I can't imagine. Imagine what you're going through. But I want you to know having that structure of authority in your life is going to lead to blessings because it's biblical. We have a structure of authority in our house. Amen? The disciples knew. They knew. They looked at Christ, and whenever he talked and he meant business, guess what? They shut up because they understood that structure of authority. Now, why is that structure so important? Well, because it creates an atmosphere, and we want great atmospheres in our home, don't we? Some of the atmospheres that it creates is dependability. 
How great is it dependability? You come home and you know that people are going to be in the same mood that maybe they were in yesterday, right? There's nothing worse than coming to a home to, and you don't know who's going to be in what mood and who's going to do what. That's a very difficult home life to have. But whenever we say, no, listen, we have a chain of authority, we have structure, and not an iron-fisted authority, man, let God navigate you. Let God move you from place to place. In 19, or 1891, the Wrigley brothers began their campaign. Now, we know them as Wrigley Spearmint gum, and we know it as Juicy Fruit. Anybody chew that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, we all do that. Multi-billion dollar corporation. We hit it really big after, the, after World War II and bought uh, Fenway Park, or bought uh, the Cubs Park and named it Wrigley Field. But what we don't know is before that, in the 1890s when they first started, you know what they started selling? They started selling scouring soap. They didn't care about their name being synonymous with gum. They wanted it to be with household cleaners. But what they did is they sold soda, or as they sold soap and baking soda and things of that nature, they'd sell it with a pack of gum. And all of a sudden, they began to realize everything that they gave away with a pack of gum began to sell more. So he began to say, hey, there's a need for a pack of gum here. So I'm going to get out of the soap business and go into the gum business. And he made a good decision. <laughs> His grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are taken care of, right? But if he wasn't flexible, if he didn't say, hey, this is where we're trying to go. This is what we're trying to do. Then if he wasn't flexible in that nature and he only said, hey, this is how we're going to iron fist it, he would have missed a great opportunity. As we lead our homes, as we do our best to submit up underneath that authority, we say, listen, we want dependability. We want growth. We want safety, we want love, we want boundaries. Now, every home has its own way of doing that, but we submit up underneath Christ, we run our home like we need to, amen? And we do it up underneath that structure of authority. That way, when kids come in, they know where to go. Be flexible. Be flexible. Don't be so caught up that we have to absolutely do it this way. But create that dependability, and kids will grow. And that safety is so important, of course, love and boundaries. They did a study a while back and built a playground. And in that playground, there were slides and swings and different things of that nature. And they released kids on it. And what they found out is those kids slid down the slides and, and they, rode the, or they, they played on the swings and they did everything that you do on a playground. They took those kids back off. And then they put boundaries. They put a fence around that playground. And then they released the kids again. And they found out that the kids were leaving the playground, going out there and hitting the fence and coming back to the playground, swinging and doing everything that they did, but they would, they would go further from the playground. You know why? Because they had boundaries. They knew they had boundaries and they felt safe. See, whenever we have that chain of authority and we put boundaries around our family, kids feel safe. We look at a world and a community today that the kids don't have boundaries. Just be whatever you want to be. If you want to be a boy or be a girl, it doesn't matter what your biology says. You just be that. If you want to be called they and them, just do that. Oh, I know this is hard and tough, and I love you, but this is biblical. Okay? we we got to have boundaries. No, God made you like this. This is what the Bible says. I'm the priest if I'm the man of the household, and we're trying to lead this thing. If you're a single parent, listen, God has ordained me to have authority in your life to raise you in a way that honors God, and it starts with Jesus Christ being the head of our house. And you have those boundaries and you have set out. And it's hard, it's difficult, and you're going to find those resistance. But don't be discouraged. You keep that chain of authority because that chain of authority will allow you to walk in power. Now, as we, continue to, as we continue to read here, we see another life hack that's so important, okay? Not only, okay, is authority important, but the attitude of the home. How many of you guys like going to home when you, when you know there's a bad attitude in the place? None of us like that, Okay? 
But you have to have the right attitude. Luke chapter 9, verse 55, he's walking with his disciples, but he turned and rebuked them. He said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. Now, he attacks the attitude of them. Now, it's interesting to me that just before this scene, they're arguing about who is the greatest and who is the greatest amongst them all. And this is my thought. It's funny to me that when you become self-centered, how Christ, how my, how, whenever you become self-centered and not Christ-centered, how your attitude changes. They were arguing and being extremely self-centered and they had seen the miracles that Christ had done. They had seen the teachings and been a part of them and saw all that Christ had done. But whenever they became, became self-centered, all of a sudden their attitude began to change. Now instead of healing, instead of building, instead of increasing men, no, let's rain down fire from heaven and kill them all. But you see the attitude. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says this, he goes, he attacks the spirit and he says, you don't know what kind of spirit you are. Because godly attitudes always create correct rebuke. Whenever we have the right attitude, there will be correction that needs to happen in our household. And we need to do that in the right attitude. Let's be honest, how many times have you come home and had a hard day at work and that spewed over onto your spouse? How many times have you come home and you've had a really rough day at work and you correct one of your kids and what they did really wasn't that severe as the punishment that you dished out. You just didn't have the right attitude to begin the process. Jesus looks at them and says, listen, you do not have the right attitude. You're operating in a spirit that is not from me. What they have done is they have allowed themselves to be influenced by something other than Christ. Luke, 9, 59, or Luke chapter 9, verse 59. You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. See, there's different spirits in our world that constantly fight and try to get into our homes. And I know this is going to be like Twilight Zone, like, but it's very, very, very true. There's a spirit world out there that is very, very real. That's the reason why we have to have Christ in our life. And he looks at him and he says, you don't know the kind of spirit that you are of right now. You're being influenced by a spirit and you don't even know what it was. Pastor and I were talking in between services. And one of the things that we talked about, he goes, you know, Matt, used to screen porches and screen doors. Used to keep all the bugs and the insects and things like that from coming in the house. Now our screens that we have here today, TV screen, phone screen, let too much in the house. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, that was really good. That sounded better saying it in front of all y'all, I'll be honest with you. I had to take a breath. <laughs> and that's true. And there's spirits attached to that stuff. You gotta, you gotta clean that stuff up. And somehow, this spirit of selfishness, the spirit that was from the enemy, the spirit that was from the world, got on these two disciples that had walked and talked and seen everything with their own physical eyes of what Christ had done. We don't need to act like it cannot happen to us. We have to guard our attitudes. We have to guard our house from those spirits that would influence us and cause us to do things and put us in positions that do more harm than good. And he addresses this spirit and it's great what you see in our Lord and Savior because he addresses the spirit. What is he trying to do? He's trying to free them. He's saying the spirit that is influencing you right now is not the right spirit. Therefore, you're going to do things that you don't want to do. Can you imagine the remorse and the regret that they would have after they rained down fire from heaven and killed all those people, women, and children, and everybody? 
the regret that they have. And he goes, listen, you're bound and you don't even know it. You better allow that spirit to get off of your life and listen to what I'm trying to say. What's the biblical evidence for that? If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17, what does it say? Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He was trying to free them and say, listen, this, this spirit that is pushing you towards this is not where you want to be. And we got to guard ourselves from those spirits that would creep in through our phone screens, that would creep in through our friends, that would creep in through all these influences that we have to be guard, that we have to be a guard on. Because whenever we walk into our house, there's authority structure there that's in place, and God wants to work through that authority structure. But we have to make sure that our attitudes are in check. Not only am I submitted to that authority, but I know that whenever I exercise that authority, because it's not just enough to have authority, I must exercise it in the right way and be up underneath it, and my attitude must be in check and all the things that would grapple for my attention and influence that attitude. I need to shut those all out and say, Christ, you're the main one because the Spirit, the Lord is Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit is what? To comfort, to lead, to guide, to direct, to do all those things that we need in our home. So how do we do that? We make sure the Holy Spirit knows that it's welcome in the house that we live in, in our family. Drive up, simple things, but they make a huge difference. You're in your car and you're driving up, to the, driving up to your house and you're saying, Spirit of God, you are welcome in my house. You're welcome to change my attitude and move among my family. You're welcome in the doors of my house. Teach us and lead us and guide us and direct us. And if there be any spirits, we cast those out in the name of Jesus Christ. And just as Christ looked at those disciples and rebuked it, some of us need to drive up to our house and say, evil spirits, we rebuke you from our house. Because we're here up underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. You're welcome, Spirit of God, because where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. There's freedom to move and do and be and grow and do all those things that we know we want our house to be. We want our house to be that place of growth. We want our house to be that place. Now, so we know that whenever the Spirit of God begins to move on our attitudes, all of a sudden we see some things. We see that attitudes do not control us, but we begin to control them. We see words do not control us, but we begin to control our words. You know, a word can set a fire pretty quick. It can. Words either build up or tear down. Moods do not control us. We begin to control them. There's nothing like having the right mood in a house. Can I get an amen? You know, I was thinking of Barry Manilow. You know what I mean? There's nothing about having the right mood in your house. Come on now. A house of peace and a house of love and a house of grace. And that's what you're going home to, right? So in that driveway, in that car, God, we, we come before you. And why do, we keep, why do we fight to keep our attitudes in check? Because we know that that's where the blessing of the Lord resides. When I'm saying, God, my attitude is submitted to you, so I'm going in this house and I'm going to lead it the best that I can. I'm going to go in here and help lead. We all need attitude checks from time to time. And Wichita Falls... My wife and I had probably been married three or four years, and we were looking forward to getting our income check back. Has anybody ever looked forward to getting your income check back? Yes. Yes, that was, we, we were really looking forward to it. I think the sum was $1,250, and that was a lot of money. Still is. Not with inflation, but it was a lot of money, okay? <laughs> but, but, but it was. For us, at that time, it was huge, and we already had that money spent. We came home, and I had a pecan tree that looked like an S in my backyard that was leaning. Come to find out, go ahead and cut those dudes down because they're going to fall. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. Okay, that dude falls down and takes out the power line that runs to my house. 
Now, it was an older house, but it was a nice house. And you know how the line runs from the telephone pole through the air and connects to your house? Well, that pecan tree fell down and pulled that thing out of the house. Guess how much it cost me to get that thing fixed? About 1250 bucks, man. <laughs> and this is what I remember. I remember, thank you, Lord, that you have supplied a way that we don't go further backwards. Yeah, I wanted to get out of some other debt, some other thing, trying to get my finances happening here like we need to and get them established. But God, thank you so much. And my attitude was totally different. Here lately, and I was sharing this with Matt and Angela, here lately we live on the same block. I got my water bill from the city of Duncan the other day. Yes, and I have a swimming pool and I water my yard. Oh yeah, it hurt. I was talking to somebody over the phone when my wife showed me the bill and I began to stutter because it was like three times what I was expecting to pay. Yeah, go get you a pool, have some fun, you know? And I was complaining about that bill. I was sitting in a truck the other day with a guy and I was complaining about that. He looked at me and he said, Matt, he said, thank God that you have the money to pay for it. Woo! I got an attitude check. We need those from time to time. See, I'd forgotten the blessings of God. Sometimes we can look at all the things that we don't want to happen, and we forget to look at all the things that God is doing. Yeah, we're going to have resistance. Yeah, we're going to have things that come up against us. That means we're in the battle. That means we're in the fight. That means we're moving forward because there's some friction here, amen? So God's doing some stuff. But sometimes we have to have those attitude checks and I pull back. You know what he was telling me? You guys know this old song. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. That's what he was telling me in the truck. Matt, don't forget to count what God is doing in your life. And I'm here to remind you, don't forget to count what God is doing in your life. Your attitude is crucial to a house that honors God. It will be a hack that you will see, that, will, that you will implement in your life, and it will change the mood. It will change the, the atmosphere of your house. Amen? And finally, as we continue, the third one is the aim. What's the aim of your house? Every house has an aim, whether we want one or whether we don't, but we must have an aim. What's the aim of your house? I know that authority structure is really difficult. I know that our attitudes at time can be difficult. But the aim of your house... Now, the aim changes from time to time. We know ultimately the aim is to have Christ Jesus center of our home. But we each go through different things in our life and in our home. And God adjusts that aim from time to time periodically. If you have kids leaving the house and you're an empty nester, that might be one aim. Maybe you have kids that are just starting school and they're used to being around you all the time. Now all of a sudden you have eight hours a day that you don't know what to do because you're not wiping noses or changing diapers and you're like, ah, right? Some of you are like, no, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, right? Maybe you got kids going into high school, and it's a jungle out there, let me tell you, right? But you know the aim of your house, but what's the aim? Here as we look into this Luke chapter 9, verse 51. When the days were approaching up for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. See, it was no question the disciples knew where Christ was going. In one scripture, in one translation, it, said, it says that he has set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. There was no question. Does your kids, does your wife, do you know where you're aim, aiming your house? It's like the one guy who shot the, shot the arrow, right? So you take the arrow and you pull it back and it's attached to a string and that string forces it forward. The guy was walking through a pasture and saw all these arrows all over this barn. And there was, there was these bullseyes and they had hit these bullseyes perfectly. And he went up to that old farmer and he said, how in the world did you make every one of these shots so great? He said, I didn't. He said, I just slung them against the barn and then drawed draw the bullseye around them. 
bad idea on the home. <laughs> funny story, not funny in the home. You better know what you're aiming for. Because I promise you, if you don't know what you're aiming for, the world out there knows what it's aiming for in your house. You got you to you control that aim. Now, this is what 56 says, uh, verse 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then he went on to another village. What is he saying? He goes, listen, my purpose here, you know my purpose. We are not here to destroy, but we are here to save lives. Intentional aim always leads to intentional action. Whenever you have intentional aim in your life, you will have intentional action and you will see it. I was listening to a song the other day and we're going to, Land the, land the plane here. But, but I was listening to a song as I was preparing, even, even yesterday. And we're very familiar with it. It's by Brandon Lake. It's Talking to Jesus. Who's all heard that song? Of course, many of us have heard that song, right? Just talking to Jesus. And I've listened to it probably hundreds of times, probably. I went on YouTube, and there's 20 million YouTube listens. It's only been out a year. In the first week, it had 2 million streams. That's hundreds per hour of streams in the first week that it was released. And what the song speaks of is he talks about his life. And he says that it was grandma praying at the end of his bed that helped him with his relationship with Christ. It was mama that was dragging him to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday night that helped him with his relationship to Christ. My mama didn't drag me, she guilted me. I'd be at the top of the stairs in our two-story house and she'd be down there at the bottom. Matthew, do you want to go to church with me? Uh, okay, I'll just go by myself. You can't do that to your mama. So I would go. And you know what? I'm better for it. Christ is established in my life, in my family. And as we read that song, as I, as I listen to that song, I begin to think, man, these matriarchs and patriarchs that spent so much time praying and loving us. And let me talk to the younger generation for a second. We have got to step up. It is our turn. Listen, as he was talking, this is what he goes on to say in the song. One day you'll thank me for having God in my life. And yeah, I know she's right. We're really good as a young generation of identifying with those songs. But identifying is not enough. Knowing is not enough. What caused him to be able to collide in a deeper relationship with Christ and influence in that direction is he had a praying grandma. He had a mama that would take him to church. We live in a world today where it seems like it's no big deal. If we wake up, the kids don't know whether they're going to church or not because the parents haven't decided whether they're going or not. We have to make those decisions and make them clear that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Everybody get in the minivan and we're going to church. But you live in a world where you feel so much pressure, and we get that. Activities rolling up. And we ask ourselves, what do we do? Are we going or are we not? Listen, just knowing that we need to is not enough. It was the praying grandma at the end of the bed. It was the mom that brought them, and it is our turn to stand up and begin to cry out for our families that God has blessed us with. We pray over them, we intercede, and we cry out, and we do it again and again and again because God has called us to do that. It's not enough. It's not enough just to know. It's not enough just to listen to a song and feel good. He's called us to get on our knees. He's called us to fast. He's called us to seek his face and intercede and be the leaders that God has called us to be. 
because my house, your house has an aim. And we're not just shot out in the universe, but we have a God and his name is Jesus Christ. We have a direction and we know that we're to influence our community and our schools. God's dealing with you something. I want to release you this morning. You pray, you seek, you read the words, you worship. Let your kids walk in on you and you're praying. Let your kids walk in on you and you're worshiping. Let your kids walk in on you and you're sitting there saying, God, speak to me. I got to have you. That's where we got to be. And God can use that spirit. And we seem so, we feel so insignificant. Can God really use me? Every story that I read in the Bible outside of the ones with Christ, and he's an earthen clay vessel too. But you read about Paul, you read about Old Testament stories that was men and women just like you and me. They said, as for our house, we're going to serve God. We got an aim here. And I want to encourage you this morning. You set yourself up a godly house, and you get up underneath that authority, and you let God use you. You say, God, help me check my attitude at the door so I don't bring anything into my house that would push us away. And God, you continue to speak to me about my aim. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Where are you at this morning? The first step is allowing God to become your salvation. And that's only through Jesus Christ. Submitting up underneath that authority and letting the authority run through that. Through your relationship that you have with your Lord and Savior. And for you men and women who are out there who are trying to make it happen, man, you're in your homes, you're praying, you're seeking, you're loving. For some of you guys who know that you need to start that up, listen, get after it. It's time to light a fire under the seat of your pants and get after it. The world's not getting any better. But the great thing about that is we get to stand with Isaiah and we get to say, listen, I can trust you. I don't have to be afraid. I know that all kinds of things are thrown at me, but I don't have to be afraid. I can stand firm where you've put me. And then at the end, we get to sing songs of how Christ is our strength, that he is our salvation, that he is our shield. But it only begins with submission to authority. God, check my attitude. And Father, I wanna make sure that my aim that you have for my life is where I need to be. Would you bow with me? Father, our hearts are bowed to you in this sovereign moment. Your presence is in the house. You've called us to do things that we and ourselves do not think we're capable of and we're right. It's only through you, Jesus, that any of it's possible. And that begins with a step towards you and saying, Christ, I surrender my heart and I surrender my life. Teach me. Teach me to walk in that authority. Forgive me of my sins in establishing Christ as the Lord of your life. And we want you to know here at Ray of Hope, we want to walk with you. We're not just telling you that you need to do it. We want to walk with you. And I don't know where you're at, but I know that Christ does and he cares. And if you haven't made that commitment to him, or maybe you just need to reignite that commitment, right now is a great time to do that. Ask him to come into your life, 
change it, establish him as Lord and Savior of your life. Or if you have, say, God, I have allowed some things to separate us. And I take back that territory right now and I stand before you forgiven. Brothers and sisters, if you're in the house and your head is bowed, your eyes are closed and you're thinking, and God's dealing with you on some things. The screen door has let more in than it's kept out. You gotta fix that. Maybe you've been walking in authority and you've been doing those things and man, you feel so much pushed back and you're exhausted and you're tired. I wanna tell you to keep going. You're trying to establish a vision for your house. You keep going, brother and sister. You keep doing what God has called you to do. Say, well, my attitude. We all have problems with that. Surrendering that attitude before Christ and saying, today is a new day. Help me. And we want to encourage you that if you're trying, we want you to keep trying and knowing that we're standing with you and we're believing with you. Would you stand with me all across the building? We're going to do it a little differently this morning. Would everybody that wants to, would all of my prayer warriors come up here to the front? Our prayer team. If you need special prayer, if you need to come up here and say, I just need to link hands with somebody. God's working on me in my life. I want to give you that opportunity. And we're all going to move together here in a second. Absolutely. If that's you, come down here and grab somebody's hand. Say, would you pray with me? I got some things in my life. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But this is what I'm also going to ask. Would you grab your husband's or wife's hand or your family's hand and just come down here to the front? I want to release everybody to move up. If your husband or wife is not with you, that's fine. I want you to come up to the front. I want everybody to come up to the front that would this morning. And we're going to dismiss and pray for our families. We're going to pray for the aim of God in our lives. We're going to pray for our attitude of our household. We're going to pray that, God, if there's authority, a structure that needs to be set, that we would do that. And I want us to pray together as a family. If you're uncomfortable, you can certainly stay where you're at. But thank you for moving. Let's squeeze on down here, guys. Absolutely. We're just making that, making that walk forward saying, God, you already know this and we know this, but we're going to serve you today. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. Now go ahead and grab. If a family member's hand is with you or you feel comfortable grabbing the hand beside you, go ahead and grab that hand. Go ahead and grab that hand. We want you to. I want you to look around and find somebody. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Look around and find somebody. Get their face burned in your mind for a second. Look around. Don't make too long eye contact with them. That kind of gets weird. But look around because you never know what they're going through. And as you pray for yourself, you pray for that person. And we're going to lift up their family. Let's pray together. God, our hearts are bowed to you in this moment. We thank you for the grace that we feel. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that we feel, God. We thank you for what's being accomplished at this altar right now, God, by praying Christians as we come together, Father. And Father, we do pray for our own households, God. We pray, God, that that authority structure would be set, that we make you king of our lives. And Father, we surrender and submit to those things under you that you've called us to. The God, that through that, the unity in the household will come.
And Father, that our attitudes when it comes to submission and things that we let in, God, that we would by all means fight those things, God, that we could have our attitude in check, God, and we would count our blessings and remind ourselves what you have done and the good things that are still yet to come, God. And help us protect ourselves, God. Help us to look over our kids and protect them, Father. Protect the atmosphere of our home, God. And Father, you've set an aim for each and every home that's represented at this altar, God. Every mother and every father, every grandparent, every teenager, every child that's represented, God. And we thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy that's being bestowed, God. That you're going to set that aim of fire in their hearts, God. And if it's already there, God, they won't stop at nothing until they complete it, what you've called them to accomplish, God. God, we're not drifting through space, but God, you have a plan and a purpose for us. Thank you for that, God. And as we've looked to the left and looked to the right, God, that person, that situation, that crisis, that healing, that tragedy, whatever it is, God, that you would work a miracle and move in only a way that you can move. Father, we lift up our brother and sister to you and pray that you would move in a mighty way, God. Send them the blessing that they need. Send them the encouragement that they need, Father. As your people, we stand before you at your altar. And as we go out this next week, God, let us be the light in our respective positions, God. Father, whether it be in our homes, God, or whether it be at the places that we work or the, the areas of the community, God, whatever it is, God, that we would shine your light bright. That's what you've destined us to, God. Thank you that we get to be like you. God, let us walk in your blessing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, can you say amen? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.